But let's get into the Psalms this morning, Psalm chapter 20, and again, with your bullets, and there's some other things coming up and so forth, make sure you check those things out. Uh, entitled the message this morning, A Prayer of Preparation, and uh, I think as we go through this, uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to help get prepared, or we're, the Lord wants to do some prepping in our hearts today, so to speak, and we'll talk a little bit about prepping, making that a, maybe a tangible illustration, as that seems to be something that is uh, quite popular today, and it has its place, but listen, spiritual prepping is of so much more importance, and so let's read the, let's read the psalm together. We got nine verses before us. Let's read it together, and then I want to lay a little groundwork, a little background with the psalm and so forth, and we're going to dive into this. And uh, there's a lot we can glean from this uh, psalm today, a lot to apply uh, to our walks with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Notice there, it says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the Lord, may, excuse me, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice, Selah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Now, notice once again, uh, the chief musicians given this instruction and this reminder that this is a psalm of David. Uh, David wrote many of the psalms, at least half of them are uh, ascribed to him, and then some that we don't know who wrote, we can, you know, kind of conclude from the, the, the content in it that David was the author of several of uh, the other psalms that aren't directly ascribed to him there at the beginning. Uh, with this psalm itself, there's some different thoughts concerning of uh, who's speaking when in this psalm. Uh, there's some, you know what, uh, Bible commentaries and historians who believe the first five verses of this psalm is actually the people praying for King David. And then verses six through nine, it's David responding to the people. There's other, others that believe that David is the one speaking in all nine verses. Some believe that perhaps David is uh, praying for himself in regards to his inauguration as king, asking the Lord to prepare him for what lies ahead. And then still some lean towards the thought that Perhaps this is David praying for his son Solomon before he became king and, you know, praying these uh, blessings and these words of, of, of preparation, so to speak, for his own son. Uh, all agree that this psalm is written before a battle or in preparation for a day of trouble and uh, that it's being sung uh, asking the Lord to prepare them where they were at that point uh, to be ready for that day of trouble when it came, and also praying that when the day of trouble actually comes, that they would be in that place of a right heart and a right standing before the Lord, that they would be prepped for the day of trouble spiritually. And one thing we do know for sure when it uh, comes to 
God's word and when it comes to the Psalms specifically, uh, no matter who's speaking when and no matter what the application was for specific individuals when this was written, we know that this was written for us this morning. This was written for our learning and for our equipping. And so we're going to primarily look at this with our walks uh, with the Lord in mind, absolutely not taking it out of context, considering David and so forth, but there's so much for us to glean from this because, uh, again, another thing that we know is that we are in a spiritual battle and we are promised in the scriptures that there's going to be days of trouble that lie ahead of us until the Lord comes. Uh, just some scriptures that kind of go along with these thoughts, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, notice here, for instruction and in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So this is written, God's word is written to equip us for every good work, to equip us for a good work even in the day of trouble, even for the day of, of battle, so to speak. And again, Ephesians 6, 10, and 11. And in fact, the rest of that chapter speaks of this spiritual battle that we are in, whether we like it or not. We are, as followers of Christ, called soldiers of Christ. And you're like, I don't want to be in the battle. Well, you're in the battle. Ephesians 10, or 6, 10, finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That is a description of a battle. You don't put armor on when you want to relax, do you? I mean, you put armor on when you are ready to go out and engage in warfare. And again, the warfare we engage in is a spiritual warfare. And the rest of this chapter goes into great detail about that. And again, the day of trouble. Uh, the scripture speaks of how those that desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And this is Evil men and imposters will increase, you know, growing worse and worse. We're told that in the scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. So again, we see the correlation of, of a hatred growing towards God and the things of God and the people of God that, that increases more and more as we approach the coming of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that the Lord isn't saving people. And that doesn't mean that the Lord can't revive his church, and that doesn't mean that there can't be a harvest in the midst of that. Let's keep this balance and keep thing in, things in its right you know, perspective. But days of battle and days of trouble are around us, and until the Lord comes, we're told in Scripture that they're going to be there. And again, as this is David the king writing this, praise God, this side of the cross, as partakers of the new covenant, Jesus is our king. And hear this this morning, in Christ Jesus, we are called kings and priests. Revelation 1, 5, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And notice verse 6, and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And I think we would all agree, someone that is in the position of being a king over a nation, that's a weighty position. And it, it is a position that shouldn't be taken lightly. It's, it's, it's a high honor. It's... It's, it's an important place to be in, and we are called kings and priests in part because we have a high call on our lives, and God wants you to recognize that and know that this morning, that he has a high call on your life, and listen, representing the king of kings and the Lord of lords 
as kings and priests, you know what, here on this earth is something that he really wants us to take to heart and embrace, not in a cocky or a pride or an arrogant way, in a, in a manner that is humble, but in a manner that is, that is sober, a, a manner that, is, that, that invokes the fear of God in our heart, that brings a reverence that, that again, helps bring clarity to what we are called to, why we are here on this earth before the Lord comes for us in the taxi or in the bus or wherever he chooses to take us home. And so with that in mind, all the more, we look at this psalm to make personal application to our own life. So that's what we want to do. So notice here again the first verse, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Now, again, we need to understand this psalm is a, it is a prayer, this psalm is a blessing, and again, we considered some of the thoughts that uh, some wonderful and, and, and really good Bible commentators have made in regards to who's praying when in this. Is this the people praying for David? Is David praying for himself? Is David praying for his son? Well, listen, all that aside, we know that this prayer is for us as individuals and us for, us, for all of us collectively because the Lord... When he taught the disciples how to pray, he used the word our and us a whole lot in it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. The ours, the us's. And so as we look at this, we can know this, this is a prayer for us as individuals. And if you're in the place of saying, I want to grow in my prayer life, I want to learn how to pray. Hopefully we're in, all in that place. We can glean instruction here when it comes to Pray for our own walk with the Lord, and we can glean from here instruction of how to pray for one another. And absolutely, it is a biblical thing to pray for yourself and your walk with the Lord. Every once in a while, I run into someone, they say, well, I don't pray for myself, that's selfish. No, that's stupid. <laughs> and listen, I don't say that in a manner to, 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 to sound prideful or to tear anyone down, but Jesus prayed for himself. And Paul even took it, you know, he, he, he would, everyone he could find, hey, pray for me. And so, listen, we, we need to ask the Lord to meet us where we're at and pray for our walk with the Lord. And I think when we do that, you know, not making all the focus us, obviously, but then even all the more effective can our prayers be for others. And we want to have that balance and we want to have that health. I mean, God wants to have that type of intimacy and relationship with Him where we're bringing our lives before Him on a daily basis. And we're laying those things down before him and our struggles and our victories and so forth. And so may the Lord, this is a prayer again, and let's make that application across the board. And notice here what he says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. And I, I want the Lord to answer me every day, but I read about the day of trouble. That, that doesn't necessarily sound like a good day from the fleshly perspective and I think we could all agree that absolutely, man, I want him to answer me every day, especially in the day of trouble. And with that said, we should ask, well, what is the day of trouble? The day of trouble, you know what, when, when did that day start? And we go back to Genesis 3, and we can see the origins of the day of trouble. We go back to Genesis 3 quite a bit, don't we? We can learn a lot about what's going on in the world today from Genesis 3. Uh, before that chapter, too, God had told Adam, you know, he placed him in this garden. He said, you can eat any tree of this garden, but the day you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you're going to die. We know the serpent came along and twisted God's word and began to tell lies 
about the person of God and the plan of God. And instead of taking those thoughts captive and standing in the truth, uh, man and his wife were lured in. As the serpent said, you know what? God knows the day you eat of that tree, you will be like God. You will be a God. And that lust, you know what, brought forth action and it brought forth sin. It's a prideful act of man even saying, my plan's better than God's. And listen, God's true to his word, and when Eve ate of that tree, a man came along, Adam came along and ate of it too, the day of trouble began on that day, because the day you die in the sense of being separated from God, that is a day of trouble, and the day that death set in for mankind and a curse came upon the earth, that was a day of trouble. And listen, ever since that day, every day since that day has been a day of trouble. As this world came under a curse and again came into a fallen state. In the book of Job in chapter 5, we see Eliphaz, one of Job's counselors, counseling him. And listen, though these men were rebuked because of their unrighteous judgment of Job's heart, much of what they said actually is very biblically correct. Their problem was the application of what they were saying. But he said something there in Job 5 that I have found to be true and in my own life and found to be true in this fallen world. In Job 5, 7, he said, yet man, yet man is born to trouble and the sparks fly upward. And boy, you look around the world today and don't you see sparks just flying everywhere? I, I saw something online the other day uh, and, and it was something that someone posted. It said, uh, turn off the news and love your neighbor. And I think we should be aware of the news and so forth, but I think there's a truth there and that, boy, we turn on the news and all you see is sparks flying upwards. People shooting and people terrorizing and blowing up other people and, man, running people over in trucks and so forth. And then trying to take these things to politicize them for their own advantage and agenda and everything else. And boy, you're just like, sparks are everywhere. It's a day of trouble. And though it's a day of trouble with a capital T in the sense of our own personal lives, we've been born into a fallen world and we see these things and we almost get used to them and we probably shouldn't. But it kind of becomes a day of trouble in a lowercase t and that, again, we're just born into trouble that's a fallen world. And in the midst of that, personally, there's going to be days of trouble with a capital T where it's really hitting home. And as we just consider the life of David himself who wrote this psalm, I mean, think about his life and some of the days of trouble that, that David had. We, we know David, when he was a young man writing the psalms, he Talked about how a bear came out to kill the sheep and kill him. And then a lion came out as well to try to do that. That's a day of trouble when, you know, you're out doing your job and a bear comes along that wants to kill you. Can we all agree that's a day of trouble with a capital T? And that's the result of a fallen world. Adam and Eve weren't worried about the bears and lions before the fall. And there's going to be things that come along because it's a fallen world you know, when it's 110 degrees and you're three cities over and you get a flat tire, that's not necessarily the devil attacking you. It's a day of trouble. You know what? The world's under a curse. Stuff breaks. Stuff doesn't hold up. Rubber isn't what it was before the fall, you know, and so forth. 
And then there's going to be those days of trouble that are, are the result of the spiritual battle that we're in. This battle, not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, and so to speak. And sometimes that's manifest through individuals, enemies of the cross. In David's day, there were armies and enemies of, of Israel that engaged them physically, but really there was a spiritual dimension behind it and that they were trying to wipe Israel out, whether they knew it or not, with the intention to cut off the promise of the Messiah coming through Israel. And when David, as a young man, engaged a giant who was demon-possessed and everything else, that's a day of trouble, right? There's trouble when no one else will go out and engage this guy in battle. That was a day of trouble that came. And when after that, as a result of honoring the Lord and stepping out in faith, the man who you've been serving, who you want to serve and honor, starts throwing spears at you to kill you, and the Holy Spirit's no longer coming upon that individual, but now a demonic spirit is, and King Saul, that's a day of trouble. And then David got out there in the cave of Adullam, and it says everyone, which means refuge, every man, everyone who was in debt, despair, and discontented came out to David to be led by him and be ministered to by him. And as wonderful as that sounds on one hand, that's kind of a day of trouble. Like, Lord, can you bring someone who doesn't have debt? We're having a hard enough time paying the ministry bills and despairing, discontented, and, and a type of day of trouble why Saul's trying to kill them all out there. And then as he was king, there were many of these battles that they went out and engaged and so forth. And even times when David was trying to give an olive branch, it was not received with a, a pure heart and then they get attacked and days of trouble because, again, it's a fallen world and we have an enemy of our soul. And I'm, I'm trying to set this up to, because this revolves around the day of trouble and prepping for it. Then there's some days of troubles, trouble that comes just because of our own doings, our own disobedience, and our own sin. Anyone ever been there before? Think about the first time they went to move the Ark of the Covenant. David did not consult with the Word of God. He did not consult with the Levites. The Levites were only supposed to move the Ark of the Covenant. And instead, David found a couple popular figures of the day. And they began to move that ark, and they were grabbing the handles, but they stumbled along the way, and they put their hands on that ark, and immediately were struck down dead. And instead of it being a day of celebration, it was a, a day of grief. But it was brought on because David did not first consult with the word of God. And then we know sometime later, when it was the time of the spring, when the kings were to go out to battle, David stayed behind, and we know he was up there on the roof of his, of his palace, his kingdom, and he looked down and he saw Bathsheba bathing, and he began to inquire, and he was even warned, that's another man's wife, that's Uriah the Hittite's wife, is he not one of your mighty men? And he didn't listen, and he engaged in adultery with her, and she came back a short time later, telling him he's with child, and it was a day of trouble, and he had created himself. And then he tries to cover it up, and the trouble, the teeth started getting bigger. And then he calls out for a contract, basically, to be on Uriah's head, and he's murdered. And we read in the Psalms of how when he sat on that sin, he, 
his bones grew weary and this internal struggle came and then Nathan came and confronted him and it was a day of trouble brought on by himself. Soon after that, that child was, that was conceived was born and that child was dying, a day of trouble. And then as a result of David's house just getting out of order, his son Amnon began to lust after his half-sister Tamar. And he goes in and eventually violates her. And then Absalom, her full brother, is set on killing Amon, her, his half-brother, and eventually murders him and then even takes over the kingdom briefly, overthrowing David. And then David's at war with his own son. That's a day of trouble, is it not? And then even at the end of David's life, this census that he took, you know, to count the people, even Joab, who was such a carnal man, knew what was wrong. And as a result, a plague broke out and so forth. I mean, days of trouble. Those days of trouble are going to be there. Maybe some of you here today and you're like, I'm, it was a lowercase t yesterday. I got up this morning, became a, an uppercase t. It's a day of trouble. And David is praying, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. And again, may he answer every day, especially in the day of trouble. Now for him to pray this though, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. You know, we would maybe automatically say, well, of course he's going to answer me. I'm, I have faith in him, and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. But listen, this implies that there are things that can hinder our prayers from being heard. And as we compare Scripture with Scripture, indeed, we see that there are things that can hinder our prayers from being heard. Quickly here, listen, if you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, your prayers are hindered. Now, unbelievers, when they begin to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we see in the Word of God as they begin to humble their heart, the, the Lord hears as they begin to respond to that call from the Lord. But really, outside of it, in a lot of ways, the Scripture makes it clear their prayers are hindered. Proverbs fifteen twenty nine: the Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. Now, before we came to Christ, we were wicked and that we were in our sin. We hadn't bent knee to God who created us and died for us at the cross of Calvary. We were enemies of the Lord. When we put our faith in Jesus, we have now right standing with God through what Jesus has done for us. He's sinless. That sinless sacrifice laid down for us who defeated death when he rose again from the grave. Now we're in right standing with the Lord. We can enter in boldly to the throne of grace through the shed blood of Jesus. So if you don't know him this morning, and maybe you say, I've been praying, and he's not, he doesn't answer my prayers. Listen, your prayer life needs to start with, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me and wash me and be the Lord of my life and watch everything change. But even as believers, our prayers at times can be hindered. When we're not being humble, when we're not being honest with God. Psalm 66, 18, this has come up a few times lately in our study in Psalms. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. That's not being honest with God. Oh, Lord, while we're regarding iniquity in our heart, that's saying, Lord, but really, we're being our own Lord and regarding that iniquity. We're making that iniquity our Lord versus saying, Lord, I'm regarding iniquity in my heart. Help me, Lord. That's, that's a big difference. And pride absolutely can hinder our prayers. James 4, 6, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Have you ever gone into your prayer closet with pride in your heart? It, 
It can be a prideful thing when you're ordering God around. Lord, this is what we need to do. There's stuff going on, and I'm giving you the five-point plan, Lord. Or you're just standing and, you know, and I'm right in this versus, Lord, search me and know me because I know I'm capable of being wrong. Also, what can hinder our prayers? Well, listen, how about just not calling out in the day of trouble? Or not a praying according to his will. James 4, 2 and 3. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Notice what it says next. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And when he says, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble, that implies in the day of trouble, you're going to ask for help. And you say, well, of course, you know, that's a... That's a no-brainer, Steve, but really, is it? Sometimes in the day of trouble, as we get deeper into this, we call out for horses and chariots first. And then at the end of all that, now I'll call out to the Lord. And then, of course, not praying according to His will, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Lord, my pleasures aren't here. I'm crying out in the day of trouble. Lord, make everything comfortable. Bring all those pleasures back. And God's saying, it's my will. You're in the fire right now. Notice as well, in the second half of this verse, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. Isn't it awesome that the name of the Lord is a defense, and there's no greater name than the name of Jesus Christ? Just his name alone is, is, is a defense. Just some verses on this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but Psalm 18.10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are safe. And so the prayer is in the day of trouble, we would run to the Lord, we would run to the name of the Lord. And, and, and God honors his word above his name. It's the picture of running to the Lord and who he is and what his name represents. May we do that every day. May we do that in the day of trouble. Acts 4.12, there is, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men by which they must be saved, the name of Jesus. Philippians 2.9, therefore God has also highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him the name which is above every name. And it goes on that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess he is Lord. And then Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. There's power in the name of Jesus. And let's make sure we're not taking his name in vain in that. And I believe that prayer, again, that, that as it says here, may the name of the God of Jacob defend you. In part is that we're not taking his name in vain, but we recognize the person who comes with the name. Verse 2, may he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. And this is wonderful because we're here on earth, and here on earth we're going to, again, we're in a time of trouble, there's going to be days of trouble with a capital T, and in the midst of that, we're going to look around us and say, listen, nothing here is going to get the job done. I need help from the sanctuary of God. I need strength from Zion. The sanctuary would talk about the Holy of Holies. It, it, it speaks of where God's throne is, Zion. It speaks of Jerusalem, where in the new heaven and new earth, Jerusalem will come from heaven, and, and in a sense, heaven will be on earth. It's praying, Lord, bring your presence in a powerful way to our location, though he is always present with us, but it's that picture of, Lord, bring that oomph, bring that unction, invade earth from heaven and move here in the day of trouble. Come intervene in this situation. 
And then verse 3, may he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice, Selah. And again, whether this is the people praying that the Lord remember David's offerings or David praying for his son or the people that the Lord would remember their offerings and sacrifice, either way, the application is the same for us. And I believe what this is, it's a picture of a person who has a steady walk in prayer life every day versus the person who only cries out in the day of trouble when they're hanging off a cliff. It's the picture of Jacob who wrestled with God versus Esau who cried out when he thought his inheritance, you know, it wasn't going to be brought to him on the financial end. Let me tell you this, the best thing that you can do to prepare yourself for the day of trouble is not stockpiling goods and ammunition and bomb shelters and all that. Though, listen, there could be a place for that, practically. Proverbs speak to things such as that. But all that could be gone in a second. The looters might hit your house first. The best thing that you can prepare, do to prepare, the best thing you can do to prep for the day of trouble, whether it's a, 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 the result of a fallen world, a spiritual attack, or even your own error, is to bring offerings to Him today, to have a relationship with Him today, to be growing in a steady walk with Him today, to have a prayer life with Him today, so when the day of trouble comes, you are strong in the Lord when that day arrives. And listen, for Him to remember offerings, there has to be something offered in the first place. Galatians 6, 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, he will also reap. Don't be deceived. For he who sows of the flesh of the flesh will reap corruption, and he who sows of the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. And so, in preparing for the day of trouble, we need to be sowing the things of the spirit of God in our life. We need to bring offerings, and in, in, in the sense of offerings, bringing our lives before him. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what, what, is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in other words, I present my life to Him today, renew my mind today, so when the day of trouble comes again, I can, I can walk in what is good. If you just sow into the flesh, and again, I, I know a lot of folks, they're all about prepping. And again, let's not, don't get me out of context. There can be a practical place for that. But if you're just sowing in the flesh, we're going to get prepped for the day of trouble. Martial law is coming. It, it might be coming. So we're going to get all our ducks in a row. And I, we just got the gun tower out here. And we got the fence with the barbed wire and so forth. And you know what? I've taught my children combat and so forth. And we're, we're all ready. You're just sowing in the flesh. Listen, you can all have all of that. If you haven't been sowing in the Spirit, though, good luck with all that. Because, again, that could all be gone in a second. Don't trust in horses and chariots. Guess practically, should we use wisdom? Am I advocating a gun tower on your corner of your property? I'm not advocating a gun tower, but the Lord talks about swords and so forth and, and self-defense and absolutely all that's biblical. 
But in a time of uncertainty, especially all the more, let's sow the things of the Spirit in our life. Let's bring offering before the Lord so when the day of trouble comes, we are strong in Christ at that time. We've been prepped. We've been ready for it. And accept your burnt sacrifice. In the day of trouble, we want him to accept our sacrifice, don't we? This goes back to Esau. His sacrifice was not accepted. Why? Because his heart wasn't really yielded to the Lord. He was just crying out because it was a day of trouble, not because he needed the Lord. Oftentimes in Scripture, there's individuals that bring worship before the Lord and he doesn't receive it. He doesn't receive their sacrifice because it's reflective of where their heart is. Or their heart motive is not for the Lord. Matthew 15, 7, Jesus, and talking to the Pharisees, hypocrites, he said, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but notice here, their heart is far from me, and notice verse 9, and vainly worship me. In other words, I don't receive their offerings. I don't hear what they're saying. I don't accept it because it's all lip service. And I don't want it to be lip service to the Lord in the day of trouble. And the way I prep my heart is make sure it's not lip service to the Lord today. And if you're in the place where you're just going through religious motions and so forth, it's time to deal with that before the Lord today. Be honest with Him. Come before Him and and ask Him to, to meet you afresh in the Word of God and the work of the Spirit and so forth. It may be that you just need to discipline yourself and say, listen, it's time to put the Lord first again. Lord, break me out of this apathy, out of this lukewarmness. Another thought on this is perhaps this is the Lord or David praying to the Lord in the sense of may he or may God the Father remember all your, the son's offerings. May he accept all your burnt sacrifices. And think about this. The Lord made an offering and brought forth a sacrifice and indeed it was accepted by the Father. And boy, if we don't got that in the day of trouble, we got nothing. Ephesians 5, 2, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. And then he says, Selah, or consider that. And let's never forget the finished work of the cross of Calvary. Every day, and especially, let's not forget that day and the day of trouble or what he's done for us in the day of trouble. We'll talk more about that here in a second. Now, verse 4, may he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. And this is why we, we you know, we study the Bible in context. We read earlier, uh, you know, it, or we talked about no scripture is subject to private interpretation. There's a lot of people that like to cherry pick and they grab this. God's going to give you everything according to your heart's desire. And I want wealth and fame and favor, me, me, me. Let's change his name from Jesus Christ to Genie Christ. We just rub them and get what we want. No, may he grant you according to your heart's desire. Let's take this in the context of scripture, the fullness of scripture. Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desire of your heart. And so the prayer would be, listen, in the day of trouble, we find ourselves ourselves delighting ourselves in the Lord. And in the day leading up to the day of trouble, we're delighting ourselves in the Lord. Because when we delight ourselves in the Lord, our desires come in line with His desires. We pray according to His will, and absolutely He fulfills those things. He gives us our heart's 
desire. In the midst of the flame, in the midst of the fire, he hears us. Are you delighting yourself in the Lord today? The best way to prep for tomorrow is to delight yourself in the Lord today. And fulfill all your purpose. And what's our purpose? Listen, and whatever we do, it is that we would glorify the Lord in it. Your purpose isn't what you do, it's glorifying the Lord in what you do. Psalm 6, 8, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. I don't read anything about an occupation there. But in whatever my occupation is and whatever I do, I would do justly, love mercy, and I walk humbly with the Lord. I would delight myself in the Lord. And we want to do that now, and we want to pray that in the day of trouble, we would do that. Verse 5, we will, and I love this, we will, not we might, but we will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Notice here, we will rejoice in not our salvation, but your salvation. He's the one that has provided salvation for us. And in the day of trouble, it's wonderful that we can rest in that. We can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ, that he, he paid the penalty at the cross of Calvary, that his words are true in John 14, 6, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We need to rejoice in that every day. And some people say, well, you know what, I, I know I'm saved, but I can't really rejoice in that today. Well, think of it like this. Think about dying without knowing the Lord. And think about your first day in hell forever. What a horrendous thought, is it not? An individual that rejected Christ, that shunned the evidence of creation, that there was a creator that we talked about last week or in the last few weeks of Psalms, an individual who shunned the conviction of the Holy Spirit, who shunned the gospel, who chose to shun the lordship of Jesus Christ. You talk about an everlasting day of trouble, the awakened to being under the wrath of God forever, no longer in the valley of decision, but being subjected to their decision to reject him forever and ever and ever. I don't care what we're going through or how bad the day of trouble is. If Jesus is my Lord and Savior, I want to rejoice in his salvation. Because no matter what's going on, Christ has died for me, and I know who I am in him. I know he'll be faithful to me, and I know where I'm going. And notice here, in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And so in the day of trouble, we set up these banners. And basically, a banner, it symbolizes victory. You know, you go into a gym and you'll see banners. You know, we won league here, we won CIF here, this and that, second place here or whatever. These banners are, you go into stadiums and there's banners when they won division and all the different things. A trophy case is kind of set up banners. And see, there's these banners that the Lord has that, that describes who he is. And, and none of them say second place. The, on the bottom, it says grand champion. And listen, we need to walk with those banners before us every day. In the day of trouble, all the more, it's like we are going to set up the banners in the day of trouble and remember who our God is. I think of just Psalm 18.2. And as I read this, maybe think of some banners being set up 
you know, in, in each one of these bays in between these beams here. It says, the Lord is my rock. So there's a banner that says rock. The Lord is my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, and whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, these banners. And it's the picture in the day of trouble, we're going to look to those banners. Remember, God is our rock. God is our stronghold. We can trust in the Lord. He is the horn of our salvation. And the easiest way to set those banners up on the day of trouble, you know, the easiest way to do it is to already have them set up every day. So they're already waving in the air. Here comes the day of trouble. So let's go get the banners. Like the banners are there. And I've been looking at these banners every day. And I'm not only looking at them, I'm actually believing them. I'm believing what I'm seeing because I'm letting my mind get renewed by the word of God. And may the Lord fulfill all your petitions. And this goes back to granting your heart's desire. Again, we delight ourselves in the Lord, then in the day of trouble, we would be doing that. Verse six, now I know that the Lord saves his anointed and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. An anointed one is someone consecrated. For David, he was anointed to be the king of Israel. Someone consecrated in the Old Testament, a king, a priest, a saint. And David was consecrated, he was anointed to be the king of Israel. And indeed, God saved him time and time again. Even in his death, he entered into everlasting salvation. And this morning, as kings and priests, of those that have faith in Jesus, we've been consecrated by the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians 1.13, In him you have trusted after you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And that promise is the promise of our salvation. And notice, I know the Lord saves his anointed, and we need to know every day in the day of trouble, the Lord's going to save me. The Lord's going to deliver me. Now, along the way, he might be working some things out of me, but he's going to be faithful to me. Even when it looks bleak, even when it looks like there's no answers, he's going to answer in his perfect time, as it says next, from his holy heaven with saving strength in his right hand. And again, this is the Lord invading earth, so to speak, with his strength, and there's no limits to his strength. There's nothing impossible with God. And let's remember that each day. Let's remember that in the day of trouble. When we got the Red Sea on one hand and the Egyptian army on the other hand, and you're like, we're between the rock and a hard place. Oh, let's cry out to the Lord. And he says, I'll just make a way right here. And Jesus is the way. Verse 7, some trust in chariots and some in horses. Notice, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Verse 8, it says, these have all bowed down. And let's make sure in the day of trouble that our first turn isn't to chariots and horses. To stuff, to people, to money, to possessions, to, you know, what accounts or whatever else. Boy, the Egyptians did that when Israel did leave, and they still find chariot wheels there at the ruins of the Dead or the, the, the Red Sea. How'd that get there? How'd that chariot wheel get in there? You know, the Bible tells us how. Think of the Laodicean church there in Revelation. They trust in their money and their own power, and yet they get spit out of the Lord's mouth because they push them out of the church. We're living in a time when 
we've been trained even by so many in the church just to put the natural in front of the spiritual and we need to trust in what we see they say but no we don't want to trust in this first and foremost we want to trust in the lord and we want to be resolute in our heart listen every day and especially in the day of trouble we're going to remember the name of the lord our god there's no name like it it is a strong tower it is a shelter it's the only name under heaven by which men can be saved And then verse 8 here, they have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Remember that when you are tempted to trust in horses and chariots and stuff first, it's all going to bow down. It's all going to fall. But we have risen and stand upright. Why? How can he say that? Because this is a man of faith. And we may fall, but the Lord will rise us up, Proverbs 24, 16, a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Sometimes there's days of trouble when we get knocked down, is there not? But let's remember, we're not going to stay down. Sometimes people get knocked down and like, I can't get back up. I've fallen down and I can't get up. Some of you may be there this morning. Call out to the Lord. Humble your heart. It may be that you're still down because there's just things the Lord wants you to deal with while you're on your back. And he's allowed you to get in that place. And the day of troubles even come as a, as a, as a chastisement, so to speak. And he's saying, Take the chariot out of one hand and the horse out of the other hand. My hand's right here. Grab it. And let's get up and get moving forward. And then finally, verse 9, save, Lord, with that exclamation point. May the king answer us when we call. And indeed, aren't you glad that we can call out to him every day? And he wants us to call out to him. Save us, Lord, in the midst of this. Save us, Lord, in the midst of these happenings and these going-ons. It's a picture of, again, people getting saved. And in the day of trouble, again, it seems like when days of trouble come upon cultures and nations, it seems that oftentimes in those days, more people do get saved. I don't know what awaits our nation, but... There could be days, my, my prayer would be that his kindness would lead us to repentance, but he's heaped a lot of kindness on us, and it seems like not a lot of people are repenting, so who knows what may come upon us in the future, but my prayer would be, Lord, when the day of trouble comes on our community or our nation, that, Lord, you would save and the people would cry out to you. And we should be praying for that. Save, Lord. Save, Lord, today. Lord, save in the day of trouble. 1 Timothy 2, 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there was one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Lord, save. 
It's a day of trouble, Lord, it's a fallen world, save. People need to be saved. What's your neighbor who doesn't know the Lord need more than anything else? He needs to be saved. What's this world need more than anything else? Affordable health care and a you know, retirement plan. Listen, those can be good things. Those can be blessings from the Lord. They need to be saved. Cultures get changed when people get saved. And notice here, may the king answer us when we call. And what's beautiful is you'll never hear, well, the king's too busy. A lot of stuff going on. You know, God, you know, there's quite a mess over in the Middle East and he's caught up over there, but can I take a message? John 7, 31, on that last day of the great feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I'll tell you, in the days of trouble, we needed every day, listen, in those days of trouble, I want those rivers of living water. And Jesus says, come to me. Come to the king and let me answer you. Come to me and let me pour out upon you. Let's stand up and close in prayer right now. Worship of the Lord. Indeed, Heavenly Father, we praise you this day. We thank you for this psalm, Lord. I I thank you, Lord, that as we get in your word and we start digging into it, Lord, it just comes alive. Oh, Lord, I, I, I thank you, God, that you are concerned for us. And, Lord, in this, there's even comfort that we don't need to worry about the day of trouble. That we can rest in you this day and let us be found doing that, for that is the best preparation for the next day. I hope and pray, God, our minds have been renewed here, Lord. I know that we're living in a world where there's a lot of worry and it's easy to get that infused into our heart. We thank you, Lord, that not only you've told us not to worry, but, Lord, you've given us instruction to ready our hearts for what may lie ahead. And again, help us to apply these things and to walk in them today. And if there's any in the day of trouble right now, God, in their lives with a capital T, meet them where they are at, God uphold and undergird our brothers and sisters and absolutely we want to pray that your gospel will go forth swiftly lord and lord we would see many crying out to you we pray for the salvation of the lost and if you're here today and jesus is not your lord listen it's time to call on him you've heard the gospel this morning our our sin separates us from god almighty we're enemies of the lord outside of christ all of us are because of our own rebellion. But Jesus has made the way for salvation. It's found in Him and Him alone because only He dealt with the issue that separates us from God and that's sin and rebellion. Call on the Lord today. Ask Jesus to be your Lord today. And that means you, 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 you renounce whatever your Lord is now. Whether it's just your own belly doing what's right in your own eyes, whatever it is. For most of us, it was all kinds of stuff. And it's saying... I no longer want these things to be my Lord. I turn from them. I repent. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. He'll meet you where you're at.
Humble your heart, call on Him, and He will meet you where you're at. Call on Him today. Our Lord is worthy of praise. Let's praise Him right now, and as we're praising, let's raise that banner of praise to Him. As our aim is to worship Him as spirit and truth, and even as we sing here, we want to sing of His greatness. And raise that banner with our voices of who God is. Not that we're just singing songs into the air, but we are rejoicing in our God and even reminding ourselves who our God is. So Lord, we pray you would receive our praise right now as we close. Lord, our time of fellow, our time of service in here. Just bless the rest of our fellowship. Let's lift our voices to the Lord.
Amen. Well, God bless you. Pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord. Go get blessed with some food out there and encourage you. Bless someone before you leave today. Encourage someone in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. <laughs>